Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Prophet Ashley. Dr. Price. We are here today again on Thursday. Yes. Hallelujah for the Paula Price Show. Hey, we're, listen, I make God make sense to you, and guess what? I make you sensitive to God. Okay. <clears throat> Sometimes <laughs> we have to understand that. What is this about? You know, Jesus says, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. But I guess by now, you have noticed we have a new set. Ta-da. This is our fifth year coming up on our fifth year or coming yeah. through. Coming up on. <clears throat> this is our fifth year, and we are excited. So we thought we'd kick it off with a new look, especially since I've been bringing <clears throat> our my our two prophets in for the last hour. Now, remember, we told you we're doing things differently. So let me reiterate, we are doing things differently. The first thing we're doing is I'm going to do continue like the first hour, give you an exhortation. And then secondly, we're bringing Prophet Ashley from behind the camera. We, get, we, we even got a seat for we, we Prophet Ashley got a seat. Yay. We gave her a seat. And then we have Prophet Adia because it's very interesting to hear how your fruit processes and conveys the truth that God gives you to spread in all the earth. So that's number one. You can still call into Blog, blog Talk. They'll put the number up on the screen periodically. But you can still call into Blog Talk for questions and prayer comments. We're just not leaving the cameras. Now they stay on. And so the entire thing, so you don't have to have to stop listening or watching the show to get over to Blog Talk, you can do that. But we're also not dedicating the last hour to simply call-ins and questions and prayer requests. Obviously, over the last several months, we realized that um, the season for that is over. So now if you have a question, you can write it in, um, type it in. If you have a prayer request, you can Go over to Blog Talk and let us know what that is, and we will still pray. Prayer will still happen. Prophecy will still happen. Hallelujah. Isn't that good to know? Yes. But now we're keeping the show more interactive. We'd love to hear from you. You all have some great ideas. You've got great input. Some of you have sent me great research on various subjects that I've handled in the past or promised to handle in the future. So, hey. We have a good thing going on here, and I want to, it to continue. Speaking of good things, I want to talk to you about the, the latest good thing we have going on, which is taking it on with Paula Price. If you've been following me on YouTube, those of you who are not in the viewing area, then I want you to let me know, Dr. Price, I've been following you, and tell me what your favorite show was. Wouldn't you like to know, Ashley, what their favorite show was? Oh, yeah. What was your favorite topic? Because they're getting 
you, you know, we, we, we stepped out soft. We put on our sneakers. I thought it was sneakers. Just soft soft shoes? Please. Please. <laughs> soft, soft, okay, cushion, please. So we stepped out softly, and we, you know, talked about various, uh, of, you know, the origin of Christianity and why, you know, bad things happen to good people and all of those kinds of things. And so we're stepping up our, our game a little bit. And we're coming up on this last Sunday. We talked about reincarnation. Now you know, you know that was interesting. Well, I'm not done with that. So that will you will hear. I'm, I'm, I'm warning you now. You're going to hear it come back later on in the uh, series or in the seasons because we're going to revisit a lot of these topics because I've laid further groundwork. Sometimes you can just sow that seed and put the dirt over that seed. Just, and water it and sink it in so the bugs and stuff won't get it. But at some point, you've got to work that ground. And so we're going to come back over there. There are some subjects that we are definitely going to come back over on taking it on with Paula Price because we're taking it on. And what is it? Whatever we take on. You know, I, it's so simple to me. So, you know, every week we, talk, we tell you this is the it topic of the week. The it topic of the week is. And we have some great ones lined up for you. You have to put it in your, your schedule to watch the show. It goes live on YouTube every Sunday at 7.30 a.m. And you have to worry about when it's going to replay. It replays when you go back. So you can listen to it over and over again. I'm asking you to help me by sharing the show with all of your friends, with all of your contacts. No matter who it is, share the show with all of your contacts because it is, first of all, it's unusual. By now, many of you know it's, it's really not the typical Christian show. I'm a Christian, but you know sin's not Christian. I know sometimes people think sin is Christian because Jesus handles it, but sin is not Christian. So we have to address it. Pain, suffering, sorrow, they're not in, they have not been born again. That stuff still stays, stays in our soul, and, it, and whatever is in the human psyche is going to become a human issue. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about sex trafficking there. We're going to talk about abortion. We're going to talk about homosexuality. We're going to talk about transgenderism. We're going to talk about whatever the future is. We're going to talk about how to empower your soul. We're going to talk about the soul of success. We've got tons of things. And then you all have stuff. We talk about education. You know, we, no holds barred. Because we're taking it on. That's why we use the two-letter word, it. It's like God, three letters. And you say, well, it's only three letters until you meet him. And you realize he did us a big favor bringing it down to three letters. Because, see, we got God, then we got Almighty, and then we got Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father. We got Emmanuel. We got Yeshua HaMashiach. We got Christ. We got Jesus. Oh, all right. We have the, the quick, the dead. We have the Alpha Omega. So God just took all of that and packaged it down into three little letters. Now, I know that's not how it started. I know he started out as Elohim. Did you not get my little scholars to write me? So I know he started out as Elohim, but even that's a lot of letters. See, God, even a baby can say. You know, now it's having a different language. God got, you know, however way you want to go with it. But the point is, God got a big kingdom. You know, Ashley, I had somebody, somebody wrote me with the audacity to write me. I said, so you, if you say it, you just, you still got the birth priest on you. Okay? 
wrote me and had the audacity to say God has no issues. I'm like, if you write me something this stupid, oh, yeah, well, you're a representative of his issue. So what, you got an entertainment, entertainment club or something? I said, God has no issue. You are his issue. An issue doesn't just mean problems. Issue means that which has come from. You know? Guard your heart with all diligence because out of it comes the issues of life. Your issues become human tissue. They become human behavior. They become God's issue. An issue is a term. We used to say problem. You know, every now and then the optimist gets back on it. You know, we get these optimist upgrades. And so, you know, the optimist upgrades are, we used to say problems, then we had obstacles. And then we had matter, and then we had affairs, and now we got issues. Don't, we don't know what's going to follow issues. So that's, you know, whatever. Because for God, issues means something else. But he is telling us that every issue of man comes out of his heart. Isn't that good? So here's why I'm talking about this. Because taking it on has to be obviously financed. And some of you have done well. Some of you have pledged a certain amount of month. God bless you. And I release the harvest on your pledge. Now, God and I have a covenant. Everybody who supports uh, taking it on with Paula Price gets a different harvest anointing and a different set of harvest rules. So we're pushing your blessings through. So as you keep this going, we push your blessings through. Deborah said that there is a harvest to coming to the aid of the Lord, to the help of the Lord. But there's also a curse to rejecting him when he asks for your help. Now, I know you probably don't think that's it, but when it's over, go to your little Bibles. Hopefully you have one that is written by, the, that, that represents the Spirit of God, because not every Bible is authorized or canonized by the Holy Ghost. So let's hope you go to a canonized Bible that the Spirit of God authorized, and you go to Judges 5, and it said, Cursed be mirrors. Cursed be Meros because it did not come to the help of the Lord. So when you leave God hanging, God's going to leave you hanging. And this is not that kind of a fundraiser, so don't hear that. But I want you to understand that this may have been something that somebody talked you into years ago, years ago, decades ago. I started out in ministry 1985. I actually held my first service December 31st. 1985 or thereabouts. Wherever it was a Sunday, that's when I did it. Now, I, you know, immediately God started talking with me. He, he immediately just started moving. My first sermon was, why you must be born again. So tell me why I'm still doing that today. Because you still don't know. Yeah. But my message has grown up, too. You must grow into your message. Because your message can sound grown up, but it can sound like a kid speaking grown up, grown up stuff. You must grow into your message, and a lot of people don't take time to grow into it. So I did, and I, and I got a lot of friends, and, I would, and then, you know, immediately, you know, God always used me with enormous power and enormous miracles and whatever. But even you have to go into your miracle mantle. You know, actually, I found out, because, you know, when I first started working miracles, man, I laid three people out. I needed to go home and lay down. <laughs> I was like, ooh, Jesus. I had to go home and get some rest. I had to recuperate all that virtue, all that power. Now it comes out with ease. What? But most times it comes out before I even say anything. And so you have to grow into everything that you're called to be in God. And the problem is we got all of these kids who have the little seedbed of their future. And they're running on the seedbed and killing the seed so there'll be no future. Because, you know, if you, if you keep, keep, you know, 
not planting your seed and then pulling it up and, and, and putting it on your salad before it grows or replicates, then eventually you're not going to have a crop. And so a lot of times you wonder, well, why are these people so whatever? Because they are running off seeds and fumes. One day they were meant to be an anointing, but today they got a whiff of the snow that goes, and they're running off that whiff, and they're running off fumes. And so I had to learn that. God would, I mean, I'm telling you, I'd wave all of the great stuff that you should wave my hand. I mean, people would want me to travel with them just to do that, and the Lord wouldn't do it. And so when I got ready to start settling into that, he just stopped it. Because, you know, God will freeze your calling. You know, freeze frame. And you're like, and you go out there like Samuel, uh, 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 not Sam, Samson. You know, Samson did not believe that his blessings were in his head. His power, the covenant of God, the source and the stroke of flow of God was in his head. And so he also didn't believe it could be halted because it came from God. Who can outdo God? And so he played with the life. And, he, and, and as he played, he did everything God hated. He lied. He misled her. He allowed her to work him until she got, came from being outside of him to inside of him. And the more he played with her, because he loved playing that male-female thing y'all folks like to do. And, then, and, and, you know, a lot of men like a whining woman. So you like a whining woman. That's why your wife is a whiner, because you already told her you like whining women. And you like the pouting women. And you like those kind of, you know, I'm so weak female, I can't make up my mind. Well, Delilah was that, but she was that tactically. See, Delilah was everything muscle man needed. He needed a crybaby, so she cried. He needed a whiner, so she whined. He needed a powder, and she just pouted. How could you say you love me and not tell me your deepest secret? And he would, he would just re- re-dramatize the secret. And he'd keep doing until eventually she hid him. She had finally wormed her way into his soul and took control of his will. And how does she do it? With emotionality. You look at half of the TV shows today, it's all about some pouting, crying woman. And he made the fatal mistake that modern people made today. He, he, he really considered that sexual transaction as true love. And so he treated her as if he had a, more than a sexual covenant with her. You know, on television, now you get a boyfriend, well, I just won't believe you if you don't tell me all your secrets. Well, you might be gone next month, next year. Now you run around putting my secrets on Facebook. I'm not telling you anything. You are not going to broadcast my secrets because we have agreed to. A lot of those people have no more than a sexual covenant. And that's what because dating today is, nothing but a recreational sex that turns into a covenant. Oh, well, we're just going to sex each other now and not spread it around. And so he took that to mean she loved him. But he did not realize when she took him. Because the only way, because this man was so blind that every time he told her a false uh, reason for his strength, she'd go over the door to the Philistines. The Philistines are coming. The Philistines, this girl kept doing that, but he believed that God's strength could not be diluted or perverted in his realm, in his flesh. So he felt like even if he told her the truth, 
And even if the Philistines took him, surely I'm one of a kind. Surely nobody, God is not going to let me be taken or me be depowered <coughs> simply because I'm the only one to keep his people. But you realize that God is a God of righteousness, and he's a God of holiness. And God's a holy God. And he said, no lie is of the truth. <laughs> From the moment that Samson started lying about the truth, his, his own bond with God began to weaken. And it began to weaken until it dissolved. And when it dissolved, he could no longer lie to her or play games with her about the source of his strength. Many of you started out with God real strong. Real strong, but you took you started out conceited and cocky. And see, God doesn't go with conceit or cocky long. Soon as he gets what he wants out the deal, he's going to either step back from you to see if you're really going to be faithful to him, or he's going to put you through a series of processes so he can get what he really stays with, which is a contrite spirit. So we got the three C's: conceit, cockiness, and contrite, contrite spirit. So here's Delilah. You said you love me. He, his male eagle is, I mean, it's flaring up. Oh, my God. He's got her begging. He's got her wanting him. He's got her panting for him and all of that, all because he's the muscle man, and he doesn't realize that with all of his muscle, she took him out with tears. She took him out with tears. Understand that, because it's very important that you recognize that brawn is not always going to outdo brain. And brain usually outdoes brawn because brawn freezes brain with ego. I don't care about how muscular you are. A person strapped in a bed, a paraplegic, has more power than a muscle man because brain is always thinking and takes longer to fatigue and can come up with ideas to persuade others to carry out what it wants. So this woman made up her thing. And she realized how stupid he was when she kept going to say to open the door to expose him. And he never said anything. He came back again. Now, you could say that she was pretty hot in bed, but I'm sure when you're a Samson, you probably, that's probably not going to be a real big deal because you are going to get whatever you want. So she was more strategic. She was more cunning. And he considered his brawn to outsmart her brain. She took him out. And when she did, he goes, and he's actually, he, the man is crazy. You could tell this guy had no idea of the greatness that God had put in him, of the magnitude and the majesty of what had happened. So he says, okay, just to stop your whining and crying, not I'm going to stop coming here because I'm sick of this. No, no. To stop your whining and crying, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you the secret. The secret is in my hair. If you cut my hair, my strength is gone. And goes to sleep on her lap. Goes to sleep. Passes out on her lap. You just told this woman how to destroy your present ministry and your future, and then you go take a nap. So what is she doing? She didn't cuddle up and sit with him and listen to him snore beautifully. She got her scissors and cut his hair. And she obviously must have cut it very, very short because it took a long time to go back. Now, the covenant of God was with his hair. 
you all have something that God covenants with as well. Because, you know, God gave the, the Bible said Jesus was the only one that he gave the, the strength, the faith without measure. Everybody else is, you know, because you still got to do your mortal duty to do. So she cuts his hair and then calls the Philistines. And they start, they probably just come strolling in. Okay, uh huh. But this time, he's laid out, he's bored, and he doesn't hear them. So he can't fight back. They chain him up and they arrest him. And the first thing they do is gouge out his eye. And you know why God took his eyes? Because he was blinded with sight. He was a sighted blind man. And God says, I want you to remember that every what should have been obvious to everybody else and what would have been obvious to everybody else if it wasn't for your ego was never obvious to you. You were caught up in your strength and you were caught up in the peel that that strength had. And as a result, you sold your secret. He sold his secret because God gives every minister that he's going to use mightily some sort of covenanted source of power. Oh, hallelujah. But they have to protect it. So he goes, he's in jail, and then he gets it. Well, of course, now he can see. Eyes gone, now you can see everything. So he can see. And when he realizes what he's done and his stupidity and the scent of hers off of him and out of his nose, he realizes he didn't just lose his own strength and destroy his own ministry. He left the, what that he was in charge of defenseless and vulnerable, open to attack, because he was their strong man. Hmm. Did anybody hear that? He was their strong man. And he allowed him, he forgot he was a strong man, and he became a sex object. And he became an idolater. And because of his, his weaknesses took him out. Because, A, he didn't believe they were real. B, he couldn't believe that God was going to let it go to distance. Because, you know, God is one of those people, his long suffering is so long, you think it has no end. When he said long suffering, and, you know, it doesn't take long to realize that, that God has long suffering. But when he gets to that G, that I-N-G, it ends it. And so he couldn't believe that God would not fight for his people. He thought, I can trash his gifts. I can trash his anointing. I can have all the fun I want. I can use it the way I want because it's my gift and it's my anointing. And God will just have to suck it up because he needs me so much. I've heard preachers say that. And you all have heard preachers say that. Well, because well, things don't happen to me because I wear the anointing. You can't be more anointed than God Almighty. He is the anointer. You're the anointee. And so you, people will say that, or, well, because I carry the word. Don't ever say that. Who, I don't care who you are listening to me. I don't care what big preacher you hear say it. Don't repeat it. Because that's your Samson class coming to life. And so because God is like, I am the Lord thy God. You have no other God before me. You cannot be more anointed than the Almighty. And you, he is not held hostage to the anointings he gives out, which is why he has an innumerable company of angels. Somebody will hear me today. 
God has an innumerable, he got all kinds of angels that can take human form. He's got angels that can take your form. So he wants to do this through flesh. He wants you to have fruit to your account. But you have got to recognize God rewards people based on himself, not based on what you do. Not, at least not exclusively. Yes, your works will follow, and yes, there is a reward. But you understand, God rewards people based on his own system. I've been trying to tell folks this for 10 years, over and over and over and over again. I've tried. And this is what I say. I'm telling you, God does not care about all your earthly deeds that you do as a philanthropist. He appreciates it. But he does, that's not what impresses him. God appreciates philanthropy. He appreciates good governance. He appreciates it. He really does because it fosters his, his own purposes. But you need to know that what moves God is when you give him lives and souls and kingdoms filled with lives that love him, lives that appreciate him. Nothing else matters. I've read this Bible, and I'm telling you, all of the things that people are saying is ministry and not ministry. Some of them are duties. You know, so you do your duty to humanity. You perform your duty to, to uh, your family. and Those are duties. Those are not ministries in the classic sense because they, they, you can give God the life of your family, but nobody will know you did it until they're gone and often after you're gone. And so we have it backwards. If God, if God didn't call you to ministry, that should, then God's going to measure you by that. If he called you to ministry, you can rest assured, ministry tops everything. And a lot of, a lot of ministers have died, literally died, with nothing to their credit but the fact that they stood in front of people. You need to recognize that there's a difference between gathering and converting. And a lot of times people are great gatherers but they convert nothing because conversion takes time and it takes a deep impartation, a deep working in the souls and lives of those people. It's not just, well, 5,000 people showed up, 50,000 people showed up, but did you persuade them about Jesus Christ or did you just merely entertain them with his tools and with his, his words? See, because a lot of conventions are entertainment. So you still haven't changed lives because people don't come – People don't use entertainment to change. They don't. People use seriousness to change. And so we have Samson who decided that he could become an entertainer, and he began to entertain people with his strength. Today, he would probably have his own film studio and his own cast and, and everything, and, and, and cameras running around following the exploits of Samson. And his enemies would have the secret camera in the room with the light. Because that's the day. And as we start thinking about it, we are responsible for what God gave us to do. We are all responsible. And we're responsible for, for the eternal harvest God gets. And, and there are two things that God wants you to bring him in mass. And that is new creation spirits. Hallelujah. And immortalized souls. Those are the two things he wants. Body goes to the dust. Everybody's body goes to dust, okay? Everybody. And the only body that we have recorded that didn't go to the dust is the body of Jesus Christ. He said, you will not allow my soul to see corruption. 
So Jesus did not, his body did not go to the grave on purpose because God wasn't finished with it. He had to change it, resurrect it. So, Dr. Christ, what are you saying? A couple of things. You all have said over and over again, God needs this. God himself tells me every day, I need you. I need what you're saying. I need what you're teaching. And I need it to go global. He says it all the time. I need it to go global. And we have been fortunate enough to connect with a company and a young man, an executive producer, who actually is interested in making that happen and has really dug in. But we need you. And so we're going to give you an opportunity, especially if you're a business or if you're a family or if you are a church or organization, to sponsor an episode. Would you like to sponsor an episode that will be immortalized and seen every time the show is played? You could just sponsor one. If you are an organization or a business, you can sponsor four. And if you do that, then we'll always stay fresh, current, and present. The only strong man that we're fighting right now is that of the budget, finances. So I would like you to let me know. I want to sponsor. There are people who lost loved ones, folks, um, uh, uh, families who lost their children to crime or whatever, and you, you might want to sponsor a show in memory of them. That could be something you want to do. In memory of my son so-and-so, I said to you earlier in a, in a class, uh, Sunday morning at the uh, Congregation of Mighty, I said, you know, the best thing you can do is for the people you've lost is to buy or finance something that makes people have to keep calling their name. So let's say you want to foster, you want to sponsor an episode of Taking It On with Paula Price in, the, in loving memory of your child, your mom, your dad. Whatever. Let's say you want to do that. That would be a great way because, you know, when you do it, every time somebody listens, guess what? They have to see in loving memory of your beloved. You can do that, and it's not that expensive. If you're a business person or you're starting up a business and you want to get your name out there before you even start, you know, hang your shingle, let's say you want to do that. You've got a, bit, a better way. This, this is a great way. Brought to you, blah, blah, blah. Email, phone, you can start getting business. So which is another way for you to do it. We can, you can make that happen. How about a church? You know, the church who believes in the doctrine, the church that says, boy, I wish we knew how to do something for Dr. Price. I wish we could be a part of it. What about having your church cycle up as you, as you sponsor an episode? Or more, prophetic companies, intercessors. You're praying. Now let's, you know, put some hands some flesh to those prayers. One of the things that I have to tell people all the time is prayers are spiritual, but spiritual must become material for us to know their answers. So if you've been praying for me, you might want to sponsor. Maybe it's a group. Maybe you have a group, a prayer group. You might have a business group, group, a college, a university. Well, why don't you sponsor somebody who is on the front line? People have to get behind their front liners. You, you would say, boy, I'm glad she's good. I could never do it. Woo-hoo! I thank God that she is. Do more than thanking. Materialize that thing. Embody that thing. And sponsor a show. If you're interested in doing that, then all you have to do is go to my website, 
uh, of, of excuse me, inbox. What's the inbox? At admin? At what? At PPMGlobalResources.com. Go to admin, A-D-M-I-N, at PPMGlobalResources.com and say, Dr. Price, I want to know how to sponsor. Or I want to sponsor a show in the name of my brother. I want to sponsor a show, uh, 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 an episode in the name of. You can do that. And as many, we have no limits. But uh, you all have a way that you want to be remembered. And so instead of going to the grave site and traveling all the way back, to sponsor a show where other people will know that your, your beloved will never be forgotten or your sister or your business is, is getting ready to go or, 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 or coming online so that you don't have to wait until you, okay, so now I have to wait until I get inventory, I have to wait until I get customer time. What if you got some before you were even ready to go? Some of you all have businesses, and you know, I want to I wanna get the word out. I want to be able to do it. My voice is strong. My presence is strong. And every time somebody goes to YouTube and hit taking it on, and they hit your, hit your episode, you're gonna, the whole thing starts all over for you again. You cannot beat this. Taking it on with Paula Price. I want to sponsor an episode or two or three. If you want to sponsor a month's worth of episodes, the, the benefits are even more attractive. And when you do, we'll get back to you. One of our agents will get back to you, and they will talk to you and walk you right on through. But you can do that much. God, I don't like the, what they're doing to Christianity. Lord, I don't like what they're doing to the church. God, I don't like the love. I don't like that we're getting half the story. We're, I don't like it. Do you realize that these nighttime sh- um, talk show hosts ridicule Christ, God, Christianity all the time? We all just got through, the, got through with the joy thing, the whole joy thing. She was so convinced that Christians were powerless that she said some of the vilest things about us as if we were nobody, and she had no compunctions about it. She felt nothing about it. She said, I'm just speaking my mind. First of all, I don't even know if that's your mind or your devil's mind, but I know it was, your, I know it was whatever your religion's mind is. And so she said she was speaking her mind. And you know what we did? We ganged up on them. I mean, we get, and she found out there were a lot more Christians in this country than her little cocktail party told her. See, because they go behind the scenes, and they look at all the 10 Christians that they terrorized or intimidated, and they don't realize we are mighty force. We are the mightiest force on earth. I don't care what anybody tells you. There is no force mightier on this planet than Christianity. That's why they had to talk us out of our might. They had to tease us out of our might and talk us and disparage us out of our might because we are that powerful. And when we get more of us out there talking like me, doing what I do, I'm, I'm telling you, that devil going to stand down. I promise you, he's going to stand down. Because the Lion of Judah is the Lion of Judah. And that's all I can tell you. But we can't get mighty if we're always hiding or people can't find us. When Satan can mask me and he can contain people like me. And they don't know that I'm, I'm here. They don't know that I'm able to do this or that. They don't know the show. And right now, he's pushing with the, he's up to the same old trick, making you think, well, I don't know. Well, there still is, there still is Brother this and Bishop that, but I'm the new. And, and, and I'm going to tell you something. Visionaries always know the, the new. They always know what's rising, and I am rising. 
and we are going to do this. But don't you want to get your harvest on what God is doing? First in, highest reward. Last in, leftovers. So be, be the first. Be, be, be the first. And, and, and so that I will have a seat like joy to talk Jesus. I'll be able to say what's right about Jesus Christ, what's right about Christianity. I'll be able to say it. Oh, are you hearing me? Do I have any agreeers out there? Because I need a seat like her. And I was proud of our vice president because he stepped down. He said, but wait a minute. I'm supposed to guard the land. I don't just guard what I agree with. I got to guard everything that's under these stripes and stars. And he said, you decided that you're going to castigate one religion. I need you to curse all of them or none of them. I was very proud of him for stepping up and defending his Savior's body. And then I was even more enthused when I saw Christians saying, enough is enough. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. And we start putting our pen where our mouth is. And now we're going to put our money where our mouth is. And we, I need a seat like that. I need to be able to say, this is Jesus Christ. This is why he's number one. This is what makes him Lord. This is what a Christian really is. This is why he created Christianity, and on and on. Don't you think I should do that? Don't you want me to be able to do that and to do it around the world? They got that woman to recant when she vowed she wouldn't. And I'm still not finished because I want her gone. I want her gone because they need to know it's a new day. We turned the book. It's a new day. And you're not going to sit up there and say all manner of evil and vile against us while you have compassion for criminals and dogs. We are greater than that. You know, we are greater than that. And I just said, to, I, mm, hallelujah, I just said to God, God, I need to stay on the air. I need every, I want to, we have huge plans. Man, our, I mean, our producer has huge plans, both of them. We have huge plans that we want to get to, but we need to get X amount of shows production. And I need you. So you don't have to wonder whether or not you do. So you might be, let's just say you want to have you and your team. Um, you and your family, you know, just let's say, you know, the so-and-so family reunion of 2000, whatever you can, we have, there's so many things that you can commemorate with your sponsorship. You just, I just wanted to, just this one episode. You don't have to pay for the whole program. Just one episode. Let's say you have a book coming out and you want people to buy the book. So every time somebody goes through and listens to the show, this, this episode is brought to you by the so-and-so-and-so-and-so book authored by blah, 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 your how to go get it. This is an amazing thing. It's an amazing program. And we're going to need you to do one because I'm not changing. And by the way, I'm not quitting, and we're not falling, and we're not dying. But I'm saying, you know, as Paul said, wouldn't it be great for you to have something to bear fruit to your account? I think it's a powerful thing. So I'm asking you to do it. Again, admin at ppmglobalresources.com. Just say, I want to sponsor an episode of Taking It On with Paula Price. Oh, it'll be great. Isn't it great? How would it, how would it act in that? Um, some are asking how much. 
And then you have to know that this is the answer. You don't have to take my word for it. You know God. If you prayed enough to get me up here, you know how to go to God and say, now, Jesus, dear Lord, Heavenly Father, Most High, whatever you call it, you know how to just discern and get the information you need. But recognize this. You have an opportunity to come to the aid of the Lord. You do have an opportunity. Isn't that powerful to ask me? I said, man, I, if anybody understands how our God thinks, you know, I keep wanting to tell you how God thinks because I realize people just don't know. But you, are, you have an opportunity to come to the aid of the Lord. Yes. And, and this is your opportunity to not only come, not only to show up, but to throw in with it and to show your strength and then to let future people know you did your part. And it takes a really special kind of person to know before the big win. Yes. This is the winner. Yeah, it really does. This is the champion. And that's uh, what to me is so remarkable about the Deborah encounter. I know. The reference that you were making mm-hmm. was she was so not the obvious choice. I mean, government shut her out. Everybody shut her out. Mm-hmm. It was obvious by the carnal side God's not with her. Oh, yeah. You and know, they told her. Get in line. I'm sure some things about her husband and all the things we still say uh-huh. to women. Um, and it, yet and still, God was with her because she was the one who was willing to do what he needed to mm-hmm. have done, the way he needed to have it done. Uh-huh. Um, I love it. interesting and how... People used to try and prophesy us out of this ministry. Oh, they did. They came to y'all. They did. For sure, marry us out of the ministry. Honey, because you're the wrong husband. You ain't going to serve God. At all. Okay. And, uh, you know, men have their own natural ego anyhow. Yeah. And, uh, and now, you know, to to weather it out, to ride it out, to know you're right and know you're not wrong. Just Mm -hmm. period. Sometimes it's just that simple. We just knew we weren't wrong. Mm -hmm. And, um, and now for you to be in your day. So just to encourage people with that, that it's the, the things that we're taught <coughs> are God's signs of approval are quite contrary to what's in Scripture most of the time. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I just think we need to take, touch that, stay with that a little bit. So we're going to shift. Okay. We need to bring you on. I'm sure that there's another prophet somewhere in the way because I, I feel her spirit. She's crept in the space. Did you creep into space? <laughs> I'm I'm excited about you bringing that up because I want to talk to my sisters of strength. It's important that I do. Yeah. I'm going to talk to our sisters of strength. And the reason that I want to do it is because I think Deborah, oh, hallelujah, Deborah is a great example. But we talk about Deborah all the time. But you know who gave Deborah the greatest support? J.L. That's true. J.L. was married to a powerful man. Yes. And so she and she herself was very powerful. And she must have held the seat because there's a reference in Scripture about the time of J.L. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so J.L. and Deborah ended up being two powerful women together. Mm-hmm. And De- J.L. recognized that Deborah's family did not have the stature and the clout that she needed to do her job and to finance what she was called to do. So we have J.L., and they, they obviously were very close women who were fighting 
not just for the cause of women, because sometimes feminism just forgets everybody else, but they were fighting for the cause of the Lord's kingdom. And they were both strong, strong, strong Israeli women and in the faith, strong in their Judaic faith. And so when you look at that, you don't realize that J.L., because we always say, well, you know, they went, he went to J.L. and, you know, yeah. lost. No, J.L. kick-started that thing. Read the entire account. You women, look up J.L. Look up J.L. And realize that girl was a warrior, and she and Deborah were warriors together. They would be like, you know, like the tough girls today. The average Christian woman that we deal with. Now, we got some in the military. I love those sisters. Bless y'all. Can I just bless my military sisters? (laughs) I do. I love them. They're so, because, well, first of all, most of them are unassuming. Yes. And the others are so strong, it's not funny. Yes. So I, I love them because they have that, that, that physical power and clout that I have when I'm in the spirit. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, no, we're not, that's not going to happen. And so I wanted you to know that because you, you realize that everybody like me needs a force, needs a force of JL. You know, the women who've, gone, who've already just need to know where to put their strength, where to put their wealth, where to put their support, where to put their muscle. They just need to know. And some of you all know that's me. Some of you know that's me. And you know it because God's been telling you. Now, just because you've invested or helped something that's finished doesn't mean that God's finished with your needing you as a backer. He's not finished. God's not finished. You're not finished until Jesus is finished. When he can say, okay, the spirit and the bride say, come, to, we eating at the supper or something, then you're done. But it's real. But J.L., mm. you know, J.L. is my girl. Because we talk about Deborah and we say, well, there's only Deborah. No, there's Deborah and J.L. They were a powerful tag team. Yes, they were. Whew. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm just, can, can I just, all right. I just, you look at J.L., you know, uh, Judges 4, 17, Sisera, has fled, Sisera fled away on his feet to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite. For there was peace between uh, Jabin and the king of Hazor and the house of Heber, the Kenite. So her husband was influential. Mm-hmm. Some of you all, you, are, you, you can stop nagging your husband for being busy doing what they're called to do, and you can take up your part in this. Because you feel it. You're only doing it because you're restless. You're only doing it because you need to fulfill the significance of the destiny that's burning in your soul. You certainly are not trying to be a shrew. That's not what you're trying to do. But you're, you're trying to find your place. And I'm going to go through this again. So we got, we got, it said there was peace. And Jael went out to meet Sisera and said unto him, turn in, my Lord, turn in to me, fear not. And when he had turned in unto her into the tent, she covered him with a mantle. They call it mantle blanket. Yeah, you know, and so she knew he was tired. He'd been running and fighting and, you know, and he's thinking, whatever, it just goes to show, well, you know, my husband might be on your political side, but I'm not. Yeah. You know, I love my husband. I'm going to submit to my husband, but when I get a chance to express my politics. (laughs) Quite different. (laughs) You know, yes, honey, that's right. Who you going to And go there, write your little check. And so, and he said unto her, give me, I pray thee, a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. And she opened a bottle of milk. Knocked him out. I said, that girl be, you know them girls. <laughs> yeah. Open a bottle of milk, 
and gave him drink and covered him. And he said again to her, stand in the door of the tent, and it should be when any man doth come to and inquire of thee and say, is there a man in here that thou should say no? Then if God wanted us to know who did his work for him, yeah. who handled the contract to take him out. And so then Jabel, Haber's wife, took a nail of the tent and took a hammer in her hand and went softly unto him and smote the nail into his temples and fastened it to the ground. But he was fast asleep and weary. So he died. So her husband would have never done this for God. Come on, Ooh, come on. Because when God gets ready to take out things, you'd be surprised how many times we gloss over, skip over the women, skip over the women. We skip over the sisters. So we got that. I mean, you think about why did Barak or Barak want Deborah to go first? Because she was a warrior. Yeah. He's a commander. He knows who can fight and who can't. And she was a warrior. And he said, oh, if you don't go, I'm not going to win. Which means that girl had to be amazing. Yeah. And you didn't get to rule nations back then by being cute or handing out cards and placards. You, you ruled nations back then by, by ridding it of its enemies. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Their theology has so hardened their heart that God can't even break the seal 
on the reality he wants them to see. But this angel who helped Deborah get the, get the victory, that means that when she would, when J.L. was pinning his head, that angel was, oh, come on, come on. See, because it was the end, because God wanted us, us to know, it started out, they chose new gods. Humans can't beat God. <laughs> Is that good? <laughs> Are you guys following along with me? Is this, see, so the problem is they chose new gods, and they enthroned these gods in place of Yahweh. So now you have to realize if she goes to the end of her song, this is how it works. This is so good. She lists all of the tribes that helped her. For example, mm-hmm. leading up to it, um, 518, Zebulun and Nephali were a people that jeoparded their lives unto death in the high places of the field. The kings came and fought, then fought the kings of Canaan and Tanakh by the waters of Megiddo, and they took no gain of money. Everybody sold their lives for their country. And it said they fought, but this is what I wanted you to hear. (laughs) But listen to this. Starting with God, that's why we're in such a spiritual battle. And it says in 520, they fought from heaven. The stars in their courses fought against Sisera. How many times you heard that preached? So while these bodies were fighting on earth, the stars or sending them for stars are angels. And so the angels fought the new God. Hoo-hoo. Oh, my. Isn't that powerful? So while the carnal man saw an earthly battle with Deborah and Barak, the spiritual person recognized this thing began in the spirit and it can only be ended by spiritual power. But see, those angels weren't done. And so they went all down and it goes all the way down the host. And then verse 22, then were the horseshoes broken by the means of the prancings and prancings of the mighty one. So why did he say come to the help of God against the mighty. God can take out mortals and he can take out devils, but he has to have a reason to do so because God can cast out the, uh, the, the new gods you accepted in humans and go find some more. I mean, y'all went all overseas to get their God. these gods. Yes. You went to their rituals. You went to their tents. You went to their little pipe meetings. You went to their, their incantations and their sorcery and all of that. So they'll just keep getting more. So God needed to clean out the Parts, or at least clean out the mortal side so that the work he was doing the spiritual side would have a chance to bless humanity. Okay, so then, so when we find out, and then we come and find out, yeah, now remember the stars, verse 20, the stars fought from heaven. They fought from heaven. That means there was a cosmic battle going on. You know that's There's a cosmic battle going on behind the scenes. You know, I can't even help myself. I'm just like, man, why haven't we told this before? Wait. I know. We did one in, in our Women of Dominion. No, I mean, like in the body of Christ. Oh, no, we don't tell that. And so they fought from heaven. The constant battle, the stars in their courses, which means in their orbit, they fought against Sisera. The God of Sisera 
and the spiritual warriors of Scripture. He was strengthened by the God he took on. Hmm. And so a greater power. Now listen to Scripture, but you know God is so subtle. Give me something about how subtle that is. So he said, y'all called him God, but I only needed angels to take him out. Mm -hmm. I said, go, Jesus. He subtly lets you know that an idol is nothing, Mm -hmm. and they're nothing but a fallen angel who's self-promoted. And so, verse 23, you know. My Lord today. My Lord today. Come on, my sisters. Let's come on and do so. You should. Come on, my sisters. Rise up. Ooh, come on, join. Don't just be a Deborah. Some of you all are JL, and it's JL that are the backers, and it's JL are the behind the scenes protectors and providers, and it's the JL are the fighters that we will never meet. Some of you I probably will never meet, but you know what? You are my JL. And so he said, "Curse ye Meros," said the angel of the Lord. "Curse ye bitterly the inhabitants thereof." So this is a whole region. They put the word out, like they used to put the word out. Me, no, don't accept, don't believe, don't do. Uh, uh, uh. I outlast, I outlasted all of that, just like Deborah had to. Yeah, I outlasted all, and she had a girlfriend named JL, who told, kept her strong and kept her going and supplied her, etc., until the day that they could take it over, mm. and was campaigning secretly, which is how she got under that tree, because they came not. This is what I want you to hear. The angel of your region can determine what happens to you when you refuse to come to the help of the Lord, especially to the help of the Lord against the mighty. David had angels yeah. fighting for him because everybody that God is raising, you got to, we got to face off with the devils that have been occupying that station, guarding who was there or guarding the one that's sitting there now. Is that good stuff? Yeah. And so when you read on, I just love so Judges 5. I don't know how any women's ministry can survive not knowing Judges 5. And so it said, blessed, among, blessed above women shall J.L., the wife of Heber the Kenite, be. Blessed shall she be above women in the tent. Deborah did all of that. But he, J.L. did something. What did she do, Pastor? Can anybody help? She took out the strong man. She took out the strong man. And didn't blink. Didn't blink and probably rolled them outside, not knowing. I don't know where I'm going. You know? <laughs> she was ready to take She was ready. She was ready. She was saying, He got the water, she already had the milk going. Uh-huh. In a nice heavy blanket. Mm-hmm. And, look at, and, and look, I just said it. She asked, he asked water and she gave him milk. She brought forth butter in a lordly dish. She put her hand to the nail and her right hand to the workman's hammer. There's so much in that. I must see you. Mm-mm-mm. My soul. Talk about can you can your wife be in ministry? This, God didn't care about my husband. Now he cared about the marriage, but he was like before there was a marriage, there was a ministry. Because they were male and female in heaven, and Adam came to earth as a single man with a ministry to the Almighty. Okay, and with the hammer she smote Sisera, she smote his head off, and when she had pierced and stricken through his temple. At her feet, he bowed and fell. He lay down at her feet. He bowed and fell. When he bowed there, he fell down dead. The mother of Sisera looked out at the window and cried aloud through the lattice, why is his chariot so long in coming? And so we go on and then go down to the end. 
Verse 31, so let all thine enemies, enemies perish, O Lord, but let them that love him be as the sun when he goes forth in his might, and the land had rest 40 years. The land had rest 40 years. You know why? Because they took out the strong man, they took out the army, they took out the, the, uh, the uh, governors, they, took out, they, they switched it back to the almighty, but it took bold people. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in the judges' era, it took a Deborah and a jail. It was a power team. You know, we don't. We show all of these little women shows, and they're always walking around crying, dressed up with little draft things. Every time you show Christian women in these little movies, you don't see. They don't show you any powerful women. And the Bible is full of sisters that are amazing. I mean, Deborah and Jay up. Come on, fierce, fierce girl, fierce. And both were married. Because Deborah's husband was Lapido, light bearer. That's all we know. And it wasn't I gave my wife permission. Anybody, you can't give your, somebody permission to serve God. You can just go through a, a, an empty act. But you can't give anybody permission to serve God. They're going to serve God because he created them to do so. Yeah. But, you know, throughout history, every time God got a good kickstart, it was the sisters. Come on. Jesus had all the women who had all of their their money from their husband and all their stature because of their husband or not, and they took care of it. Right. Because, well, the church is called the bride for a reason. And clearly, <laughs> he gets faster mileage with women. Come on. Who was trying to spare Jesus' life? Well, Jesus is standing before, you guys remember again? You know his name. Pilate? Pilate. I was thinking of oh, Pilate's wife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who's trying to? Pilate's wife. Mm-hmm. So I want to tell you. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Pilate, Pilate is like, man, I'm not. And she said, listen, don't have anything to do with that, yes, man. Don't you do it. But now, <laughs> he's got to face his wife's historical, reliable wisdom and his politics. Yeah. Woo! And politics won because that was in the word of the Lord. Yeah. So okay. we can go on. And you know, I can go on. But I'm telling you, you know, people ask me, why are you so strong as a woman? As a woman, how can you have a legacy like this to look to? Come on. This this dispels every word of faith, charismatic, with the evangelical myth about women in ministry, married women in ministry, and husbands' authorities over women's ministry. This kills it. And it kills it. Does it kill it or not? Tell me. It kills it. So, that's all. Okay. I got all excited. You see? <laughs> well, and you know, the church is as much as we want to tout we need to become modern when we're talking about accepting sin as it is. Uh-huh. We really aren't trying to let go of that. No, no, no. About our, our stance on women and what we can't do. Women are running nations, literally, corporations. Global corporations. All over the place, heads of magazines and, and everything else and educational institutions all around the world. Mm-hmm. All around the world. And we're still holding fast to this. Like it like it's a trophy or something worthy of holding on. And while we're we're doing all that, the church has lost a tremendous amount of ground. And women with money. Yeah. Lots of women. You know, y'all offended a lot of folks, so they took their money elsewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to, and then, and then when it comes time to get some money, then you want the women to come out as a fundraiser, 
Okay, take off your apron. Pull off your little bonnet. Okay. Look like we trust you. Oh, <laughs> 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 well, okay. Going back to Samson and Delilah. You were, did you have some notes from the Samson and Delilah? I know that's why you started with Deborah and then brought that back around to Deborah, but in the meantime, we took a detour through Samson <laughs> and Delilah. Okay. Um, and how Samson didn't believe his power use that came from his hair, nor did he think that God would shut it off, that it could be just uh, perverted and that God could remove it, and how arrogant we are. Oh, yeah. Still. With God's stuff. With God's stuff, what he gave us. And like you said, well, God is using me. I mean, I think that's why anybody who gets big and then falls is in shock. Mm-hmm. Because they've been in mess for years. Oh, yeah. And God, God used them. Well, people use them, whatever. And, and then it's just kind of like, how could that Happen. I mean, how could, I can't, I, I'm sure, I'm sure, there, it was, how could God, on the surface, how could God let Samson be taken out by the Philistines? Absolutely, because everybody's going to skip over Because nobody knew, to that level, this guy is flirting and sleeping with the devil, sleeping with the enemy, mm-hmm. literally, every day mm-hmm. to facilitate his destruction. Mm-hmm. And how so many people, which you, they don't know from out here, are doing all this covenanting with darkness and all these other things behind the scenes, many of them for years. And so when the fall comes, mm-hmm. it's like, where was God? How could that happen? Because of the, the cover-ups, which we've seen ministerially many times mm-hmm. over, um, that eventually can't be covered up anymore. Uh-huh. And, then, and I like that. When they say, well, we were with God, I'm like, well, we were they with God. You all always ask the wrong the question. question. The you question think? is, well, where, where were they with God? Where were they standing with God? Because a lot of times they stop praying, they're hanging out, they start visiting other uh, uh, mystical sessions and mystical yeah. meetings. Yeah. They start allowing themselves to get fascinated because the devil is kind of like he is with the ten plagues, the first three things that Moses does, they can, can do. do and they, 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 they And then they, they sign on before they get to the bugs, to the flies, mm. at which point they say that's the singular of God. You know, so, so they get fascinated by, you know, yeah. the magic thing one, you know, mystical thing two, mystical thing three. By the time they three, you know, they think it's a baseball game. I'm in. And um, <laughs> then four happens. And four is when the devil says, oops, that's the end of mine. I don't, I don't do well, because we really don't teach people how God is, they don't even, we've been taught asking those kind of questions is, is just borderline blasphemous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you, don't, you don't question this. You don't do that. And, and God's not that person anyway. He's a loving God. He's a forgiving God. Mm-hmm. He's a graceful, He's merciful. Whoever you think. And so we just stick to those things that we say to exhort the saints. Yeah. Eliminating in any other context who the rest of him is. Mm-hmm. No. Well, especially when we bring him into salvation the way we do. You know, you come in another way, then you don't know another way. People who get saved under scripture, again, a culturally unmodified Christianity, have a real-world grip on who God is. And who he is, it's like, ooh, don't mess with that. Like the the, uh, the original church birthed by the apostles. Yes. Oh, they didn't play with that. They weren't telling them all that Because how the gods ruled and destroyed those people was culture. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and it was commonplace. It was known that this act is directly tied to a God. Mm-hmm. And because, at least in our country, we have shut all that conversation down, now it's been revived through the superhero movement, but still not directly tied to what we're doing today mm-hmm. in our actions to God's service. We don't, they don't come in realizing we are snatching you from another God. Yeah. Yeah. We're snatching you from sin and destruction. It's, you know, he just, he loves you and it's okay and you didn't know any better and mm-hmm. poor fallen we flesh. Mm-hmm. And, and so we always tend to make the sinner the victim mm-hmm. and they not do. the assailant against God. Because yeah. that's the piece that we miss is, but what you're doing is offending him. This is a crime against God. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, the whole thing is just so sugared over, watered down, whitewashed, everything else I can think of, mm-hmm. to say not really who he is, that people don't know. Yeah. So when they see the truth, when it, that's a that's a hard word, Dr. Price. That's a true word. Yeah. But, but and the difference between <clears throat> the words that I give and what they believe is that they have been persuaded of a depersonalized religion. You cannot have a religion without a person. Yes. If yeah. it needs a worshiper, it's because it has a deity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if it needs a devotee, it's because it has a deity. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and and but, but, okay. But see, we cut that. Yeah. <clears throat> That's why Jesus is your personal savior, but right. he is a concept to you. Oh, He's not a deity. That's good. That's good. You got more? Oh, I know you yeah, did. I'm going to drink some of this too. Sip on. Sip on. You said a lot. <laughs> um, when you were talking about what is your covenanted source of power? <clears throat> yeah. Now, for this, would you say that this applies to, let's say, ministers or people that are in active service to God or the standard Christian as well? All Christians. Okay. For example, <clears throat> Excuse me, please. <clears throat> Just because you cannot, um, you don't preach, doesn't mean that you being the head of an organization isn't important and doesn't need empowered faculties to do the job. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. So all of your faculties are empowered to accomplish God's purpose. The reason that he gave you that job, the reason that he gave you that family, the reason that he put you in this family, or the reason that he gave you this enterprise or political seat. Thank you. You're welcome. I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. And then uh, when you said that is, well, you also said God is not held hostage no, by no, the anointing no. that he put out here. No, no. <laughs> 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 we do walk away, walk around with some backwards, dangerous. What's kind of like, you can't take me, God, I'm anointed. God's like, really? I mean, really? <laughs> well, that's like the kid who tries to threaten their parents. And they have a real parent who understands you have no power. Mm-mm. No, no. You bar mine. No, boy. No, girl. Go to your room. You know, that little outfit that you're wearing that you're telling me you're going to run away in, yeah. I'll no. pay for that. Leave everything we pay for. Honey, I said I'll So you're not going room. anywhere because you don't own anything. Mm-mm. Okay. And you said um, that if God calls you to ministry, nothing tops that. Nothing. I... Made an observation. There you go, observing again. I did. On telly, on the telly. You did the telly? On television. Okay. And I watched a couple of shows, you know, the whole thing of family first, family first, blah, 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 blah. Even in storylines, powerful people, I'm going to quit because of my family, and so on and so forth. 
I have seen a pattern in several shows where, like, season one, that was the case. They walked away from something great. But that thing came back around again mm. in various ways and called the shots on their life. And the family had to come under the calling mm-hmm. on that person's life. And I thought that was very interesting how the noble stance of I'm quitting this job that is changing the world, helping out lives way beyond anything here for coddling people, Mm -hmm. really, was the context of that, only for a couple of years later for it to come back around without an option. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, I I think that's very interesting. First of all, the family first thing, you know, I told you that it's not in the Bible. Nobody's ever taken me up in that challenge. I defy anybody to tell me that it's in Scripture. Because, so and if you if you call yourself a Bible believing church, you can't preach that. Yeah, well. If you call yourself a Bible believing Christian, you cannot preach that. Yeah. And there is no pattern for that in Scripture. Why? Because ministry is a, it, in our mind, ministry is an intrusion and an oppression. In God's world, ministry is a promotion. Mm. And when He calls you to ministry, He's promoting you from the mortal realm to the eternal realm from the ranks of humanity to fuse with the duties and responsibilities of of divinity or deity. And so in God's mind, that's never going to happen. Marriage is not even in heaven. And when I say that, people are like, "Uh uh-huh, no, it's not. When Adam and Eve were created spiritually, they were not husband and wife. They were brother and sister. Male and female created him them. Their first Sabbath with the Almighty was not on earth, it was in God's world, in God's realm. When Adam came to earth, everybody skips over all of the, all that transpired before Adam realized that there was no help for him and that it is not good for man to be alone. Matter of fact, Jesus said it before Adam realized it. You know, the Godhead said, you know, it's not good for man to be alone. So that means they already had this in the work. Now, marriage for God was a necessity and then it's not any longer, but was a necessity because he only made two people. And he had to have some way of turning those two people into a world, mm-hmm. an inhabited world. Mm-hmm. So marriage is an earthly institution, which is why Paul said it's no big deal. A lot of you all don't know First Corinthians 7. Right. But Paul said, you know, marriage is going to give you problems on earth in the flesh. He said because married people have no room for anything else in their life, not if they're doing it, you know, the way most people do it. So marriage is not going to heaven. You are not going to heaven, husband and wife. They don't have husbands and wives in heaven. They have one husband called Jesus and one wife called the church, the bride. That's it. And because he's God, he needs millions to fill his body. But people skip over the fact that Adam was single for a little bit. And his only companionship. And his only communion and fellowship was with his maker. So my point is, when he was brought into existence and God started to literally move forward with his plans for the earth, there was Adam and who was made in his image and likeness. So God interacted with a mirror of himself. (laughs) There was no wife. She was in it. But she was not there. And God did not permit Adam to marry until Adam established everything God wanted 
as a replication of his world in this one. So he was, so when she got in, he didn't have any work to do because he had done it before she came. So all they were concerned with was companionship, enjoying the Lord, her helping him till the land that he and God had designed and ornamented. Isn't that powerful? That is very powerful. Because a, a, a doctrine has got to match the prototypical and the archetypical things of Christ, of God. So going back to the beginning, Adam was alone, and God did say it was not good for him to be alone because God realized that even though he and Adam got along well, that he himself was incorporeal, mm-hmm. and Adam needed something he could touch. Otherwise, he'd have been fondling all those animals and carrying them. He had nothing for himself. I know. So when people say family first, I'm like, are you kidding me? God first. God first in heaven, God first on earth. And God determined when Adam was ready to have a wife. And he knew the minute he gave Adam his finest creation for this world, he was going to lose him. Oh, my God. He knew that. It was a foregone conclusion. So you could see we got into this problem with marriage and family first. Because Adam put his family above his God. So you can't say that doctrine came from God. Because that's what sets the entire chain of events in motion that he's still trying to work to figure out. And and having been a pastor a long time, I love it. I think marriage is a beautiful institution when it's done right. I think when beautiful people are married, I mean inwardly, not just physically, when beautiful people are married, marriage is wonderful. When, when, uh, and I don't want to say ugly because I don't really mean that, but when dysfunctional people Mm. get married, they create a dysfunctional aura that draws everybody into their dysfunctionality or makes them hostage to it or crippled by it. I've been in there. And so it, it can go either way because just like there's light, there's darkness. And so, but I'm telling you, as far as making preachers standing in the pulpit, making it a divine edict, that's not there. Mm-hmm. Now, you can say, well, we don't read it like that. I don't care what you read. Like you, if you read the Bible well enough to say I'm saved, then you got to use everything in it. You can't cherry pick the parts that made the F yep. and then the parts that made the A, and then we skipped over the parts that did the V, and then we just came back to the E. And then, oh, well, the D's okay. We're just going to keep the year off. You can't pick that. And, and you all <clears throat> have been victims of cherry-picked scripture. Mm-hmm. I read to you Judges 5, and I let you know where we are. But I also tell you, go back and read the whole chapter, first of all, because it's very impressive, and read it in light of what I've taught you. God does not want to – how do you say family first? When God said, I am the Lord thy God, that's against the first commandment. Right. I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt have no other God before me. Are you ready? Okay. You're probably on page. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. Um, I think something that you said I wanted to go back to. Uh, okay, lives, souls, and kingdoms are what move God. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that that's really powerful, particularly in this generation and this time where we are so saturated with 
everyone having something to say, so mm-hmm. many things about what God's like, what he doesn't like, you know, what will move God in. And I think that just putting it down mm-hmm. in the nitty-gritty like that, I really like that. I think it's powerful. Um, we've got to get back to his business. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I love about this show. That's what I love about your teaching. It's always been about God's business. I was going through a lot of your YouTubes the other day, and even though I've known you a long time, um, I still go through them just because there's many things that mm-hmm. you've taught in the time I've known you. Um, but you've always been about God's business, almost. you know, um, and there's just so much to be done. And we are, we're just toying, mm-hmm. you know, in the sandbox when there's real work to, to be done. You talked about uh, being great gatherers, I'm sorry, uh, being great gatherers but not great converters. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure we care about, about conversion right now. Not, it's a numbers game. It's a numbers game. You know, it's just mm-hmm. all about the numbers <laughs> gathering. Um, and, and the conversion that we are preaching is not biblical conversion, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to be so careful. Uh, I just love that, getting back to that. Um, you also said, uh, are we persuading or are we entertaining? I'm not sure we know. You know, I, I don't think we know what it is, you know, but I think that entertainment is a real big problem in, in Christendom right mm-hmm. now. Um, entertaining rather than informing, rather than persuading, mm-hmm. rather than teaching. Um, so it's a you address so many issues today, um, so many issues. Of course, I mean, I love what you said about women. Look, my Inspire Her page is going to be filled up today. Because, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> you said this phrase, come on, my sisters, rise up. Um, teaching on JL, teaching on Deborah, the warrior that she was, mm-hmm. um, the, the fighter that she was, and JL's part to play. I thought that was a very interesting lens into their story yeah. um, because I've often <laughs> wondered the relationship between Deborah and JL. But clearly, you know, when you're reading the scriptures, if you if you read them as if they it, it is a real story about mm-hmm. real people's lives, you can draw logical conclusions mm-hmm. about how things came together. Yeah, um, right. So I love you giving us that lens into their relationship, the mm-hmm. fact that they clearly knew each other before that moment. JL understood what was at stake. Um, you know, when 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 Sister approaches her, she's not surprised. No. Number one, and is ready for him. So that clearly has been something that JL knew mm-hmm. that should it come down to it, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to kill him. You know, and she was ready yeah, to right. do it. You know, mm-hmm. and I just I love that highlight on women. I love how you how you teach God's perspective on women. Yeah. Um, God loves women. Dr. Bryce has said this many times. God loves women, and if you really do read your word, you'll know how much He loves women, mm-hmm. um, and how much how much He used women, strong women. Mm-hmm. You know, and loves women being at their place of strength. I love that you said that. Nowhere to put your strength. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so many things were good That's powerful. powerful about today. But I just love that women's piece. I've always said women are so strong. And um, you're right. You know, the church, you know, we are, like, pulling up the rear. We're pulling up the rear when it comes to our perspective on women. Mm-hmm. You know, if we were put on display, our views about women and how all those things, if they were put on that public display, there would be a lot of shame. Yeah. You know, because in, in, in the corporate realms, you can't treat women that way. No, no. I mean, and, and, and how, how we know this, you know, this is, a, this is something you talked about. This is coming to light how people mm-hmm. are treating women. And, and now people are beginning to pay for oh, their happy. sins against women. Exactly. Right. You know, and I was thinking about that, and I was pondering whether or not to share this. But, you know, I received a, uh, a Facebook post, and, you know, I told you, I'm, I'm don't take this here thing, I got this. And so they, um, the guy wrote, ultimately, Jesus chose 12 women. Okay, um, 12, on your yeah, he chose 12 men, and uh, not one was a woman, and then said, and one devil. And I thought, hey, I was so mad at this man, I lost my grace this <laughs> I pulled out my sword. They, I was so serious about him. I said, it's on my page, and I said, so you think God cares more for devils than women? 
Oh, son, you have just made a spiritual blunder. I must have fussed about that thing for a day before I can answer it. Because that's the prevailing view that God thinks more of devils than women. He used a devil and not a Are you kidding me? You all ought to be shaming yourself. All of y'all that subscribe to it. And so, you know, I went after him, first academically and then prophetically. And I told him, I said, I promise you by the Holy Ghost that God is going to make you eat the fruit of all of those women's disobedience to him. And the same penalties he's given them, I put them on you by the Holy Ghost, and God will do it if for no other reason than to prove you wrong. That was the most horrible thing he could say, that God thinks more of devils than women. That was horrible. That he said it to you, yeah, I'm the wrong one. Because would God only say crazy to me like that when he's ready to take it out? Because he knows me. He knows how he raised me up. He knows how he trained me. But think about Paul with Lydia. Yeah. You know? And then he had two other women that supported him. And Philippians. I said, you know, even Paul, who had all of that strong, traditional, you know, uh, opinions and resistance. But he said the gospel is either for all or for none. Right. And the whole gospel, not the gospel we like. Yeah. And I thought to myself, yes, I did. When I, I was so mad, was I mad, Ashley? I first, I think you feel upset. Yeah, I'm a little still because of the foolishness of that comment. Yeah. And of course, you don't know who you wrote it to, because you should have never written that to anybody sitting in my seat. No. Because that was crazy. Because if I can tell people you're going to be this, you're going to be that, you're going to leave this, I can stop their barriers and cause people to be. What did you think I could do with that? We don't just have a single-edged sword. No, no and that's what it sounds I said, y'all make it sound like we, we you know, we got to, we still under the, the, the third world where you got to walk 10 paces behind, never yep. talk to your husband and all of that. And, you're, and I mean, you're so vile, your God doesn't even like you. You know, when you have a Brahma believing women are born from God's foot. Yeah. Come on, yep. I was like, are you kidding me, guys? This is it, it, this is old, church. Yes, yes. This is old. But it, women, you are the ones that have to stop it because you have to get behind what God is using as a solution. Come on. You know, uh, Paul did have Lydia. Mm-hmm. And then he had, you know, Sutake and, 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 and Yoya. He had three women that he mentioned and fought for. John had the elect lady. Yeah. <clears throat> hey, Lord. Because God knows that women are loyal. We're basically loyal. That's how you become a, a faithful wife. You know, he, you built that way. But we have got to ourselves <coughs> want to take over it. Yeah, agree. Well, you're also equipping and arming women to do it. I mean, they don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. The, the force of this, I mean, I grew up in a great church, but women weren't in leadership, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. They were valued, mm-hmm. they were loved, never publicly demeaned, never saw any of those things, but they were never elevated either. Exactly. Well, it's amazing to me how a Christian man will go to work and serve a woman boss and yep. will not serve them in his church. And you know why? Because he has to do so legally. Mm-hmm. Well, because we don't have a law against it, true. you know, they, they feel like it's optional. As a matter of fact, many men come back and treat the women in their church worse because yeah. of those female bosses. And, you know, and so you got to take the, we got to take the brunt of that. I mean, how many times have I had some guy tell me over and over again, I don't know why God gave this to you. I don't know why he would even choose a woman. And then ask me, I don't know why he chose a black woman. Okay, so I got to double What was God thinking? I mean, was he lost? Did he forget? Oh, you know what? Oh, I know what happened. I know what happened. His people just tripped, switched out, switched out when they left, and they just chose you. 
And I thought, are you kidding me? God doesn't have any, you have your issues with his creatures. Well, no. We, we keep saying yeah, we, that. Yes, because, well, because most of the people believe that their positions are God. Mm-hmm. And so why would he choose a sub-level of humanity to do something so important? Absolutely. Exactly, because after all, a man could get it done better. Uh, do you know that he, you don't even know that God didn't offer it to men or doesn't men? I've had men tell me, but he had to give back to you because I sure wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't put my life on hold like that. I would not have taken <laughs> it like that. Oh, no, I wouldn't have taken all of the blows you've taken. Yeah, oh, no. So well, we, had, we sat at a table with a male apostle who said, if something is not producing in three months, he cuts it off and goes on to something else. Exactly, and told me I wasn't, because I'm a woman and he's into good investments, that's not it. I want to deal with two things that we've forgotten that's also been a handicap. I'm not just setting me free today, am I? I bet you a lot of you all are being set free, and a lot of your people are being set free, and you're going to be beneficiary to this truth. Here's a, you know, so I've had men say to me, well, one of the reasons why I don't get to hire women is because, and he ran down all of this stupid stuff. First of all, I had to tell him, I'm not going to get pregnant. <laughs> that's not going to happen. I, 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 I'm getting fruit from another tree. Maybe <laughs> okay. we're not doing that. That's number one. And number two, I mean, and we went through it, and he just listed that as, well, women have never been known to be shot about money. So all of the what? economic crises we got in our church were caused by what? The economic and, crises we, we got in our church caused Thank by you. what? That wasn't our spending. You know, we haven't declared war yet. Okay. Wow. You know, wow. and so you know because rhetoric doesn't always ma- always uh, mesh with reality, and rhetoric because it's heard immediately can actually be blinded to reality because of its the instantaneous impact it has on the mind. So there are things that just don't make sense. And then women are always punished. You know, I always say in, in the church, women are always brutalized by the very people that they can't get around. You know, a, a, a battering husband batters and then loves and then blames you for being having a broken arm right. and having to go to – they always blame you after they batter you. And so in my life, because of these – I'm just saying me, but I'm thinking it's a bunch of us sisters. You know, we've been battered by the bishops or the this or the that, meaning, thinking they're doing God good. Yes. You know, these people are malicious. <clears throat> they actually think they're doing God a favor. And so we've been battered by that, but then the consequences of that battering, bad credit and this and evictions and all of that, mm. you are then punished for the consequences of the very thing they caused in your life. And then they're told, we don't trust you because that happened to you because you were, you were a woman. No, it didn't. It happened to me because of your evil report. It happened to me because of your indifference. It happened to me because of your bias, whatever. We can go on. But these things are not because I didn't have a good product or I wasn't a quality minister and I or didn't stand and take the blows. I've taken blows that I know brothers would take. Come on. Let's talk about not getting paid. Okay. Let's talk about not getting paid. Okay. And, exactly. And, so, uh, and, and you know what? Because I'm in it for Christ, I just keep getting up and just keep getting up. But this time, after 30-something years, you should have proven yourself. Hello. Because a lot of the people I started with are gone. And a lot of people that judge me are gone. They're neither not on the planet, not in ministry, or not physically able to do it. And then here's another blow, another one. You know, sometimes somebody got to expose what's in the darkness. And so 
another point that we faced, that I faced, was when you're starting. Now, we're preached from the pulpit, despise not the day of small beginnings. And then what do the people with money say? You're too little. <laughs> it's like the purse of kids that you got to have experience to get a job, but you got to have a job to get experience. And so I came out, and I've been struggling under the other, which I think is another injustice, is all the people that have said, well, you don't sow down, you sow up. You don't sow to poor, you sow to rich. There's nothing in the Bible that says that all of them apostles were poor. Everyone that started out were poor. Mm. Every one of them. And when I say poor, they may have had enough for their family. But when it came time for them to take care of that, the, the people that were coming to them, uh-uh. So you can't sow to poor. You can't sow into a little ministry. I've had people tell me, well, I'm sending you a few hundred, but I gave 10000 or 20000 to this person that I know is rotten in ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, speak it. Yeah. Yeah. Doctrine. Yeah. Yes. Doctrine. The, the bane of women in ministry success. False doctrine. I mean, it's pitiful. And so we're going through, we're going through and, and, and standing. So why are you doing this? Because I, it's, it's not the people. I'm coming against the demonic rhetoric that does not want you to have this truth that has already decreed that the Bible belongs to the secular world now and no longer to the Christian church. The, uh, I'm coming to that. Uh, and and I'm, we're doing episodes on the show. You will love the episode that we do on uh, neural theology. We're doing that. There's a whole series of those coming up way later down the line. I guess it's later. But in any event, I want you to know that the assaults that I'm taking are part of the tactics of the enemy to take out Jesus Christ Church. Right. And anybody who's, who's got a thinking hand and a clear heart, and we got millions of them, thank God, still working in the body of Christ today, those people are taking hits because you have got to outwit a thinker. That all you have to do is woo a feeler. Woo. We just, so you all are woo. What did Paul say? You know, to the Galatians, who has bewitched you? Yes. That you should not obey the truth. See, thinkers, you've got to outwit them. And Isaiah says of Jesus Christ, when God rose and raised him up and set him in power, he said, but the enemy shall not outwit you. So many of you are on the woo campaign of Satan. Mm-mm. You didn't mean to be, but you were trained to be. A lot of these conditions, these, these responses are conditioned and programmed because of thousands of tapes and sermons and audio teachings you've listened to and the myriad of con- con- conventions you've gone to. You don't even know what you feel. Right. Absolutely. Right. And then I would say to my sister, if you think evil of yourself and your work, then... You can't even be a, be there. You can, you can be like mirrors. You're going to stay in the house. I've had women say, I'm sorry. I know that I'm a woman too, but I just don't believe in women in ministry. And you ask them why, they can't even tell you. Nope. So, baby, why don't you believe in women in ministry? Because of all of the doctrine you've heard, all of the false teachings, yeah. all of those audio cassettes, all of those DVDs, all of those Christian television programs who have bought into it face value, never evaluated. I've had, I've had male ministers cut me off because as far as they're concerned, you're all right as long as your husband was watching over you. My husband is. His name is Jay Yeshua because he's the husband of the bride. And so you, these men are cutting you off. Here's the dumb part. They cut you off 
when they don't know your marriage, they don't know your mate, they don't know if they have an education, they don't even know if they're literate or illiterate, they don't know if they're alcoholic, they're drug addict, they don't know anything about it, then when you can tell a doctrine or a statement is purely religious because it doesn't care about context or consequences or backdrop. Context, consequences, or backdrop. All you know is that your rhetoric, your theology is offended. It's not even your wisdom because you have never checked it out. You never looked in here and said, well, you know, they say that, but where is that? And the Bible speaks contrary mm-hmm. to most of the things that they say. Mm-mm-mm. But then we don't believe the Bible. So then if you don't believe the Bible, your theology is going to be offended because the deity of, the, of that theology, which is false, is threatened. When your theology is offended, you need to know what deity is threatened. My, my, my. Yeah, you are. I need you to keep going there today. Oh, we have a caller. Oh, we got a caller. <laughs> call. Hold on. Hold on. The best thing. Tammy, we're going to the caller now. That's where the prayer was. Good. My, my, my. Okay. Uh, we have on the line, we should be going live here with Yalitza from Florida. Wants to know where do you start to work on your purpose? Ah, great question. We just happen to have a pathway. Um, we start now because we are completed all of the foundation uh, materials we have. I want you to take the uh, minister's assessment if you haven't taken it. And when you do, it comes with a 30-minute advisement. Okay, the you comes with a 30-minute advisement. And which will begin to begin the journey for you of your purpose. Now, the assessment will give you what God made you to do most of all, and then the, uh, the faculties and abilities he's given you to prop that up, and then the best environment or world that your particular purpose will fit. He talk, it talks about being ready. It talks about your strengths. It talks about your threats. You can get a ton of information. Now, after your 30-minute advisement, you will be presented with an opportunity to enter training because it will tell you all of your training, and it will prioritize those training topics for you. When you get that opportunity, that is when you begin working on your purpose. Now, I know most people feel like I'll just wait for the Lord, but again, the reason folks are still running around Mm -hmm. trying to figure out their purpose is because they're waiting Mm -hmm. for God to show up and tell them. But God's not going to show up and tell him when he has tools and instruments in the plan. That is my suggestion, my recommendation to you. Are you still there? Yes, yes. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Okay. So here, um, that's okay. I want you to go to drpaulaaprice.com and click take an assessment. When you do, yes, take M. I actually went on there and I took the assessment. Um, I was kind of surprised with what the lady told me. So you kind of, but you kind of just told me something like when you were like, oh, um, some people wait on the Lord. And I think that's where I've been waiting. Um, so that was kind of a good answer for me. And I guess um, after the assessment, you said there was more things that they would be able to walk you through. Yeah, but you didn't, take, you didn't sign up for the program, did you? No, no, no. I just did the assessment. Okay, because I know they offered you a program because that's our policy. 
And so here's the deal. We have a lot of people who take the assessment, but because of how they've been trained, there's a cockiness that says, okay, I just needed to get this information. Now I can get me ready. If you could have gotten you ready, you wouldn't have had to do this. So clearly mm-hmm. you don't have the capacity to get you ready to your own satisfaction. Mm-hmm. So what I suggest, I suggest that you, whoever it was that you, uh, who, who gave you your advisement, go back to them and sign up for it because you can't tell God that you don't know your purpose or you don't know how to work it out when he's giving you these tools and you say, oh, that's really nice, thanks, thanks, but no thanks. Because, see, you can't assume just because it's unfamiliar or it's new that it's not God. So you have to go back to God and say, okay, God, what was my attitude when I took that assessment and how have I treated those options and where do I go now? If God is going to be your direct guide, then go back to him and let him see how he saw your reaction. Okay. Okay. Amen? Thank, yes, thank you let so me pray. much. You're welcome. Let me pray. Okay. God, I thank you, Lisa, and her life. I thank you also, Lord, that she's just coming back around full circle. Sometimes when things are new, we don't know what to do with them. New things can frighten us and they can unsettle us. So, God, I thank you now that she's heard from you and she has the the direction to go to to find her purpose and get in it. And, Lord, I thank you that you change her heart, give her heart for the purpose that you have ordained for her and the message and pathway that you've chosen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. You're very welcome. You have a nice day. You too. Bye-bye. Now, if you have any questions... And you can give yes. us some. You can give us some questions about what we've talked about today, or comment, or share your experience. Yes, we want to know. So if you're there, we're going to chat a little bit while you key in. You know what okay. to do, and just talk about that. Um, well, do you have a question while you're still on the line, or if not, we will um, end our call with you. Um, no, it's okay. I can be on the line. Huh? I can be on the line. Okay, very good. Tammy can just go ahead and, and uh, use your line there, and you can continue listening to the end of the show. Thank you so much. You're welcome. God bless. All right. Thank Are you. we getting questions, feedback, concerns? What? Come on, Facebook, because you know you all will do that, and then you want to load up my inbox. And yeah. if you submitted a question earlier, I know sometimes during the show you'll submit some questions earlier. Just go ahead and resubmit that question yeah. so it can stay at the top of the feed and we can get to you. Meanwhile, I'm sure you have some coming up, some of the comments coming up. You can do nothing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll just do a couple of announcements while we're scrolling through our, scrolling through the feed to make sure we got all of your questions. Um, a couple of things. Dr. Price has mentioned um, – her, her subject matter today brings two, uh, two or three resources up to my mind. Eternity's General deals with the gods and nations piece that Dr. Price pulled out of Deborah and JL's story, Judges 5.20, where it talks about the angels and the, and the stars fighting against Sisera. It just brought to my mind the mm-hmm. concept in Eternity's General and everything is about gods and nations. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have that resource, you need that. This is definitely the era and the time for that. It's called Eternity's Generals. You need that resource. 
You can get it by shopping with us at drpaulaprice.com. And also, ladies, this is for you, a lot of women's resources on drpaulaprice.com. We want you to log in and shop with us. There are women's empowerment teachings there that were taken from Women of Dominion. Um, There is a teaching called The Law of Liberty that I think that you all will just be blessed. Um, It'll bless your socks off. Check out that message, drpaulaprice.com. Click shop online. So those are two resources that just come to mind, but there are many. Um, shop with us. Uh, shop with us at Dr. Paul A. Presicom, but I want to bring out those two. They deal with what we talked about today. And the Women of Dominion series has many teachings in it, and they are online at the bookstore. So you can tap into that. Coming up in June, June 20th through the 23rd, and if you stay over with us on Sunday, the Sunday is the 24th, at the Double Tree at Warren Place, then you can join us for the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute, and you can register online at Dr. Paula A. Price. Again, those dates are the 20th through the 24th of June, 2018. We're going to be right here in Tulsa live with Dr. Paula A. Price and a few of our special, special guests. You don't want to miss out on this. You can register online at drpaulaaprice.com. How about our courses? Absolutely. I wasn't sure how much time I had. (laughs) Yeah. All right. um, Also, for our courses that are coming up, This week is starting Prophetic Guardianship 2. So if you took Prophetic Guardianship 1, then you are eligible to enroll for Prophetic Guardianship 2. And that is happening, it starts this week, the 19th of March. And also Strategic Prayer 1 starts again on the 19th. And then the 26th, we have Strategic Prayer So if you took Strategic Prayer 1 and you've wanted to continue that learning, then Strategic Prayer 2 is starting on the 26th. So new classes launching. We already have all the information out online. If you're a part of our email list, you've been receiving our emails regarding how you can enroll in these new classes. So again, Monday the 19th, Prophetic Guardianship 2, and then Strategic Prayer 1 is restarting on the Mm -hmm. 19th, and then on the 26th, Strategic Prayer 2. And we've got new soul success classes coming Uh, You need to make sure that you're enrolling in these self-study classes. And if you want to be a part of biblical psychology online during the summer, you've got to apply to Price University. You can do that right online at priceuniversity.org. Start filling out your application. You do not want to miss this online summer class, biblical psychology, starting in the summer. Listen, our summer session starts at the end of April, so you don't want to miss out on this. um, And apply right now online at priceuniversity.org. Thank you. All Good right, job. and uh, check your email if you're on our mailing list because an email went out this Absolutely. week about the courses coming up. You can do it right from that email, too. I was on a call with one of my clients yesterday, and she said, when is the next strategic prayer? She said, oh, wait, wait, I got the email, I got the email. Okay, so Jackie wants to know, how do we do ministry and family and be effective and not have guilt by doing so? Well, the same way you hold out a job. That's it. Yeah. And then help your friends afterwards, or take a course afterwards. You have to ma- manage it. So I don't want you to. I don't make light of it. You have you to manage it. it. You have to manage your responsibilities. But there has to be a honest agreement in the family. Some families are just selfish. Well. And some of them are the, the selfish family members will get resentful. They'll start from going from being resentful to being sarcastic to being uncooperative to eventually being um, abusive in their conversation, and then they won't help you. That, that's real. And in those cases, you have to be the stronger side of you. 
if you know this is your calling. So the first thing I would like to say is make sure it's your calling and not just your escape. A lot of wives and mothers jump into ministry because it's an escape. It's something different to do, and there's nothing wrong with that. And make sure that if you don't pick the hardest side just because. If you're going to do ministry and you're going to do something for your church, what you need to do is start with the least intrusive thing and get your family used to not having you around on a Wednesday, on a Thursday, or Saturday morning or afternoon. So you want to pick something very, you know, unless you're called to preach. And anybody called a preacher is still not called to take it all on at once unless they've had another life and they've already been a professional. Because yeah. ministry does not start in tents, but its success intensifies it. So the more successful mm. you are at helping your mm-hmm. church do this or your community do that, and then people start to notice that you're reliable, that you're credible, that you'll, you do quality service, then they'll start picking you out. That's when you have to make those decisions, those hard calls. But I, I caution all of you, I, you know, I had a strong career, and so I could not give God the family excuse. Because you already corporate. Because he already mm-hmm. said it. He said, you know, I told God, I said, God, because I've done three church services and nothing about risk your professionality like those church services. <laughs> and so I went to those three services, and we started hearing about, you know, um, husband over the man, over the wife, and family first. Now, all of that, nobody cared about in my career, including my husband. But then we get over here to the church realm, and all of a sudden, what all my achievements and our, my attainments are insignificant when they're confronted with the theology and doctrine of the church. So I go to God, you know, because God immediately started, he opened my channel, always kept it open. I'm telling you, it was all him. So I go to God, I said, now Jesus, they say that I can't do ministry because God was calling me to ministry. And he, he said, I can't do ministry because I have a husband and because I have a family and whatever. And you know, the Holy Ghost didn't let me get to the punctuation mark. Bless that thing. I said, Jehovah. Did not let me get to the punctuation. He said, you did it for AT&T, you'll do it for me. I said, okay. Ended that. And then I said, I did do it. He said, everybody was applauding you because of you moving up the corporate ladder. He said, this is now me. And so I could never use my family and my children, my husband, as an excuse. Because God said, you work it out for them, you'll work it out for me. Go on, King. Then I didn't know God had a short tongue. Did you know that? I do now. And so he did. He let me know. So, but that was uh, women who are coming from a strong professional background, particularly one of achievement. And so, entering ministry, you don't, but you don't have to work out anything because you've already been doing it. That should be settled. That's how you did what you did. But now, let's just say you're the person who's an employee in a company, but that's a little different. You need to not take on a ministry effort that is more strenuous than your occupation. Don't start with that. You know, start with what's comfortable for you and your family. Ease them into it. Because, see, my, I didn't have to ease mine into it because they were already used to me traveling three times a month and, and all of those. They were used to that. But then they were getting paid. You know what I mean? Getting paid. And so because they were getting paid, we were getting a salary, we can struggle through. 
But then when I had to build my ministry, mm-hmm. that brought up a whole other host of things in everybody's soul, mine included. So to answer you, Jackie, that's the first thing I would tell you to do. Don't go big. Mm-hmm. Ease your family in. And then as much as possible, not use your decision to obey God as an excuse to deprive them. Mm-hmm. Those are some of the things I learned over the years. Well, I think that's really good and how you said, and you've, you've given counsel along this order before about you have to know what your family can handle mm-hmm. and, and, excuse me, and at what time. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so the counsel that you give one is not the counsel that you give somebody no, no. else because mm-hmm. some people can really handle it. There's a, a different level of teamwork with the spouse mm-hmm. or another job that, is yeah. compatible with one with the wife being away or the children can handle it. And so that's a very interesting thing to think about in how far you should jump in and not to jump in all at once because, yeah. again, going back to handling prophecy, you get a word, God, you have a call in your life, God's <laughs> going to send you out to ministry. You yeah. want to get there now. Yeah. Right now. Right now. Well, honey, i got to go because I just have to like, whoa, 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 whoa. And when you think about any other career, you work your way up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to work your way up if you just started. And that's it. I like what you said. Another thing I would like to tell you is that don't ram, don't make your family feel insignificant because you're obeying God. Right. You know, I mean, I've seen, I've been, I have to counsel husbands, but look, I mean, she knew I was in ministry when I married her. Yeah, and so did you. Right. So you both should have worked that out. But now you're going to let her know that she's insignificant and, and inferior because you got to spend nine hours a day in prayer. Now, you're going to pull that back, <laughs> and you're going to spend an hour a day, and you're probably going to do it after she goes to sleep. Right. And vice versa for the wives. You know, don't just use that as a reason to rebel against your husband, to rise up against your husband. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. God is a God of peace, and he is loving, and he will work it out. If, you're, if your heart is pure and his call is real, God will work that thing out. I've seen him do it over and over again. You do not need to do that, and you don't need to let your family know that they are now, you know, substandard because you have to. You have to. And if you're starting a church and God told one spouse to start a church and didn't tell the other, do not make your call that spouse's destiny. Woo! Right. A lot of marriages can't survive because God didn't call both out you to be bookends. You right. theology does, yeah. church yeah. doctrine does. God does not call you to be bookends all the time, and sometimes you steal somebody else's destiny because of theology. Mm. If that spouse is called to do something else, then you are not just like they're called to work at another company. Yeah. 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 They they should they should be free to work at another area of the ministry. They should not have to be a co-pastor just because you're obeyed. Because you live with them having two separate workplaces, then you need to live with them having two separate ministries. Because we had Deborah and we had Lapidos. Right. And Lapidos was not under that tree with Deborah. Mm-hmm. He was at work. He was. So you, this, I'm telling you, so much doctrine is meant to help the family, and it's actually driving it apart and fragmenting it because it doesn't have logical practicality. Mm-hmm. 30 seconds. I got th- that's all. What you do with my time? You did this. <laughs> I want to give you in 30 seconds. It, it is our time. Don't forget to check us out, YouTube, on Taking It On with Paula yeah. Price. I have no idea what it's going to be, so you'll have to just kind of tune in. 
Ashley can tell us in the future. <laughs> That's number one. Number two, don't forget to join me Sunday, hallelujah, for the Scripture Organic, Culture Unmodified Christianity at the Congregation of the Mighty Where God, God stands. See you then. Have a great weekend. God bless you.